Hi, I'm Raki, and this is the My Small Business Life podcast. Every week, we talk to small businesses from a diverse range of backgrounds to understand what it's really like to be your own boss. From startups to scale-ups, if you work in a small business or are thinking of starting one, we will be sharing our insights and advice about the realities of working for yourself. In this week's episode, we talk to Eunice Obianaga, founder of Inspire Management. Eunice is an event producer and cultural consultant. We also talk to Nadu Plaka, who is founder of the Zoo XYZ and is a global event and experience architect. So welcome, ladies. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Rocky. Thanks for having us. <laughs> it's really nice to be able to talk to you today, especially as I haven't spoken to either of you for quite a long time. How are you both doing? Good. I'm all right. I wish the sun would, you know, come back, but I'm good. (laughs) It's kind of in and out. Nadu, how are you? It's good. It's good to be back in London. It's nice to be back. Yeah. So you've been globetrotting for, well, it's been a few years now. Do you want to give us a little summary of your travels? Well, it was more COVID um, trotting, which is why I was stuck in oh South Africa God. for a while. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's been, been a couple of years doing oh, a lot of international work. But no, it's nice. Nigeria, Ghana, South Africa, America, and then some. So yeah, it's good to be home. So how, um, slight digression before we get to obviously talking about your fabulous businesses that you both run. How was it being in South Africa during lockdown? It was fine. It was fine. It was, I think, the best place to be at the time because the cases were nowhere near what they were here in London. Um, And it was just nice to be a part of Honey came over, my fiancé flew over. So it was just, you know, an opportunity to have some real downtime. Fantastic. So Honey's your daughter. Yeah. Who is how old now? 15. 15. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, how time flies and so you're back in London now so I looked up earlier we are nearly three months of lockdown in London Eunice how has it been for you um it's been reflective actually Mm. if I'm very honest I've kind of enjoyed it a little bit to be honest I have um it's just been a time to think and uh rest and try and do things that I don't usually get the time to do I remember that oh my gosh I have hobbies that I like um so yeah, it, it has been, it's obviously been quite challenging in other ways in terms of work and obviously just the devastation and the horrible stories that you hear about people's health. Um, but apart from that, I've just found it quite reflective and a moment to just kind of reposition and yeah, just really think about how, what's important in life, I think. Yeah, I found that with a lot of people, those of us that are fortunate enough to maybe not have to worry about money as much and have managed to access some support are able to use this time to reflect on what comes next. Nadu, have you had much time to reflect? Yeah, I think Eunice is exactly right. I think definitely for us in our industry as well, you don't get this kind of rest like at all it just doesn't exist like if it's going from one project to another, a country to another, like lining up the next gig, it's non-stop and we've had our own conversation and just said 
you have to just be grateful for this time and be able to look at it from a positive perspective. Yes, there are a lot of things that have happened negatively around it, but you know, if we're healthy, we're here, we're alive and you know what we can contribute to it's it's been a real real interesting time and again also grateful for the rest <laughs> yeah so the event industry and i'm going to ask you to give your own introductions to your businesses in a second the impact on the events industry was pretty much overnight and instant and from the conversations i've had with other people in the entertainment business for example they're still figuring out how to reposition themselves and what comes next. But I mean, Eunice, I'll start with you. If you want to give a little overview of your business and then where is your thinking at the moment in terms of what happens next for you? So um, I'm an independent event producer and, and cultural consultant. So I've been doing this for about 12 years now, specialised primarily within the entertainment and music sector. So supporting people in producing their events that can be anything from arena shows to live music events, to conferences, to smaller seminars, um, working for different clients, including my lovely, lovely friend Nadu and her business, The Zoo. <laughs> one of my favorite clients um so i essentially go into businesses and in a managerial directorial role and support the, the delivery of a, of a event project or a cultural project of some sort so yeah i've been doing that for about 12 years now which is mad <laughs> to think about but in terms of what's next you know what i i was thinking about this question and it's really hard to say um i don't think that events in terms of real life events are going to die they're going to be paused and we're going to have to reimagine how they work. Um, but they're not going anywhere because we are um, human beings are community things. That's what we are. Yeah. Um, we, we flourish and we thrive in communion with each other. And Zoom is great and online is great, but nothing will ever, ever beat the live experience i mean obviously I, i'm from a music and entertainment background the goosebumps you get when you're in front of a stage nothing beats that so i don't think that's going but i think there's going to definitely be a pause in a period where we're just figuring out which is what we're doing now how you get back to that place not to say that virtual events are going either um, I think there's some benefits in that. Obviously, it reduces costs in some way, depending on the scale of event you're doing. Um, you can reach more people. So, for example, I'm, I ha I'm a director and trustee of a, found a music development foundation in Nigeria, about two years old now. And the whole idea and premise of that is how you use music because it's powerful uh, to transform the economy of a, of a country because it's it's possible you can do that with music. It's, it's a great asset for that. So one of the events that we host um, is a music conference um, and we couldn't do that this year because COVID was here. So we're thinking about taking that online um, in a couple of months time. And the realization was that, okay, well, it, we previously have held it and it's just been localized to Nigeria and even localized to Lagos where the um, foundation is based. However, now that we're opening it up, we can have more audience from across Africa, across the world. And it also gives us the opportunity to have speakers that we might not have ordinarily had in real life as well. So there's benefits to doing virtual as well. So yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting space and you kind of just have to look and watch closely and, and there's a lot of new learning for a lot of us. It's a lot of new learning. Great. So there are some, with some creative thinking, you are seeing some additional differences and benefits, which is fantastic. Nadu, same question to you. We'd love to hear a bit more about your 
wonderful business and and what's your thinking at the moment in terms of the future so i run a global event agency called the zoo um we do training we do uh, cultural exchanges and we also just focus on again same in with eunice and also i actually want to touch on this because i don't think you know how I don't think you know how Eunice and I actually know each other. So we have a really interesting story. Um, but again, it's 12 years in the game, um, working on just building and expanding more so. So the way we're looking at the future, when COVID came about, initially it was a shock. It took some time to get used to. I think I kind of went through a grieving process with understanding how it was actually impacting me. At first I was in denial you know and then it hit me like a ton of bricks and then I was a bit depressed and upset and kind of had to go through the motions and so what we then started to do was just repackage what we had for me a lot of people ask like you know are you going to do events online are you going to you know go onto that bandwagon and I said that's not for me there are people who are out there doing it and it's suitable and it's fine but that's not for me again it's creating those experiences because that's where the passion the drive comes from from terms of what we do so what we've just been doing is repackaging the training elements we have so we now are launching a digital platform so you can get access to all of our courses and material that we were doing live before where people can actually buy um, and have a membership offering so people can get a lot more insight into the industry and have a lot more conversations happening so yeah the future's interesting we're in talks with um some record labels and organizations um for doing events on the continent so we've now moved over a lot more uh business over there so we're in talks with south africa and ghana but you just don't know um we are governed by in every country they have their own rules their own regulations and we have to adhere to those so it's being able to understand actually you know what are the parameters and what we're able to develop how we can do so and being able to adapt it you know to different territories and it's difficult because you just don't know so we're just taking the time to you know reevaluate some of the stuff that we've got i don't want to do anything online um unless the money's great uh <laughs> it's not something that i personally want to do um unlike Eunice, we don't have our own series of events and stuff that we do we work for other clients so depending on what comes out the woodworks as well then evaluate on a case-by-case -case basis so you talked about training is that training people on how to run events be in your industry mm -hmm. okay, yeah so a little bit about so the first thing that we have which is like an introduction into it is 10 steps to a successful event and so people can click a link free and get a small booklet which gives them an overview about how to get into the industry and what they'll need to do then from that we've developed 100 top tips so you can buy 100 top tips of what you need across those 10 steps to get into the industry and then we've also got 100 top tips and templates so we've already designed um you know templates that people can use which include gantt charts which include budgets which include risk assessments you know for anyone who is wanting to get into it it's just like a step-by-step -step, like here you go you can figure it out and then from there we have a 10-week course which people will be able to do independently and they can also do it alongside myself um, for an additional cost and to have a more like consult consulting that's amazing so where, where would people go to get that information do you want to give your it, website a little plug just quickly yeah <laughs> well all socials are at the zoo xyz and the website is the zoo.xyz so oh. everything will be up there over the next over the next month we're launching in stages so yeah 
perfect. And I think Eunice, we should probably just give you an opportunity to give your website address as well, just so if people want to get in touch with you. It's just www.inspire with an E, so E N S I P R dot management. Um, that's that's my platform as an event producer and cultural consultant. And you can also check out the foundation as well, which is www.theechofoundation.org. Um, that's primarily focused on, as I mentioned, developing music industry in Nigeria. The other thing I want to say off the back of what Nadu said, she mentioned uncertainty, I think. And the funny thing is, is and the difficult thing for us as event producers and event specialists is that you're already working in a sector that's crazily unpredictable no one event is the same ever um you can plan and we, we are expert planners that's what we do we have to be expert planners because there's so many different eventualities or and mm. variables that can happen so i think just to kind of understand where we sit it's understanding the most maybe sometimes chaotic situation and then you've just added another level of uncertainty to it as well so it's really interesting time for us would you say then that as two um, professional women who deal with a lot of uncertainty in their businesses, do you think you're better prepared to cope with bigger uncertainty then than a lot of people? Or are you, would you say you're just as unprepared as the rest of us were? Can I be honest? I yes, think please. because of the flexibility of how we have to work, I know how I have to work, we're probably a little bit used to this to be honest because mm. we're not necessarily always stationary in an office I know that I'm not sometimes I'll go into client office sometimes I'm working from home sometimes I'm working from a park that's that's kind of how it works for us so yes actually you've made the really good point that actually we might we might unwittingly have been a little bit more prepared for it it's just there are some events that shock you still nonetheless within this period um just like deaths of people um and then just small things like i think i went to the shop and i saw that my local tube station you know was one way one way direction etc so you just like oh gosh i can't i can't operate in the same way so those things remind you and even when you're putting on an event now those are some things that you're going to have to think about one way direction traffic maybe even mm. testing people's temperature the way that people gather in a room um i was watching an event the other day and th there was two seats together and then two meters then two seats together i've had conversations about putting events in um in car parks for drive-through events instead um as an alternative just to separate people so yeah it's cr it's a crazy time but actually you've made a you've made a good point that actually maybe we were a little bit more prepared but that's because all we do is problem solve literally. our job <laughs> is literally problem solving like fighting fires and just figuring it out that's yeah. it problem solution so in this instance like, okay maybe the problem's a little bit larger yeah. across a little a few more countries maybe the, within the world that we have to deal with but again problem solution if we had more people like you in government maybe we wouldn't be in such a mess right now. okay i'm good i'm good not to go to government <laughs> So I, I do want you to tell me how you met because that sounded like we were getting into a fun story then. Who wants to tell me how Nadia you enjoys met? telling this story? So I, I love telling she this story. She enjoys it. I mean, I, she has a perspective. I have a perspective. You go. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Okay, <laughs> I'll speak from my perspective. So it. we used to work for two. Okay, I'd have to think of the best way to put all of this information. Yes, so we, <laughs> so we both worked for two 
I guess, youth organizations that worked in the same industry sector field. Yeah, kind of. That at one point would have been competing, but around the time of the Cultural Olympiad, we ended up working together. So there were three or four different hubs and we ended up working together. So Eunice and I were in similar roles within you know our own organization but we kind of didn't know each other so it's kind of like oh who's she she does i do for that organization okay maybe she's like you know my what did we say uh, my nemesis so it was like and then it was like oh well she worked for this organization and so we never really spoke so we saw each other in meetings but obviously our bosses were telling each other so we were just feeding from them but so when we ended up speaking one day we're like wait hold a minute like you're literally the version of me it's like this is crazy and then we just got on like house on fire and it's been like what 10 12 years I don't even know it's been forever <laughs> Amazing. literally my event sister like she is I love her to bits like and when we support each other as well like you just said like she comes and works on projects with me I've come and worked on projects with her because it's not a thing of us like, oh well I do events and I'm the only black female in London who does it it's like no how can we come together we have so many different skills and we work we complement each other so it's understanding how we complement each other and how we can work together because it's not every event we come together but it's events where we know like no this is an event for us and you know we've had conversations about doing our own stuff like it's been years of just a beautiful friendship beautiful working relationship and also beautiful just respect for each other it's great it sounds like it was um meant to be in a way when people I, I, what really makes me happy actually is when women come at things from a collaborative perspective rather than a competitive mm. perspective because you get both types in the business world don't you and i've been mm. fortunate later on in my career to meet some amazing women like yourselves who are only ever supportive and i think we all flourish if we encourage others to flourish so i think that's absolutely amazing tell me very quickly what the cultural olympiad is that sounds very exciting that was a long time ago. That was um, basically <laughs> around the Olympics when it came to London and um, all of the cultural events that were made to surround that. And we were both working in East London, which was obviously mm. a, a central hub for uh, the Olympics. And given our, the organisations we're working for were youth focus and cultural focus and creative industry focus and all around development. So both, as Nadu's mentioned, both Nadu and I are both very passionate about the development of people professionally and personally and that people are stretching themselves and growing. So the, the organisations that we worked for did that for young people um and so we were charged with creating different events and platforms that, that sat around the olympic activities fantastic and so when you say eunice you're also a cultural consultant just just explain to us what that means so for me that's basically i'm a specialist in working primarily in black and african entertainment and music um so if you need advice um, if you need to understand the landscape, that's the sort of thing that you would come to me for. And also music too. So like I said, a lot, most of the majority of my work has been around music events, but also music and artist development as well. So there've been a number of um, organisations that I've worked for that their role in the world is to develop artists. Um, so for example, I used to work for an independent record label um, quite a few years back and one of our projects there um, developed around 30 young 
musicians and artists um, and led them to create a collaborative um, album. And we did that for three years. We even took a group of them to Atlanta to have it mixed and mastered in L.A. Reid's studio. So L.A. Reid, if you don't wow. know who he is, he's, um, he is one of the leading music executives in the world. <laughs> and he's uh, responsible yeah. for people like Whitney Houston, Sierra. Um, and so, yeah, well, I was fortunate to take a group of them over there to um, have that recorded. And did you meet L.A. Reid? I'm assuming you No, know. I didn't. But I did one day coming outside of the um, studio, turn my left head to the right and see Big Boy, who's an artist from a group called Outcast. And I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, yeah, it, it's great doing our job because you get to meet some extraordinary people. Um, who've done some extraordinary things in their lifetime and it just spurs you and inspires you even more so and just as we've said the uncertainty and the chaos and the problem solving becomes worth it when you're able to create platforms for extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. Yeah it's incredible. I did randomly meet both of our cast in LA years and years ago in a nightclub and they are as cool as you would expect them to be just saying. My little name drop for the for this episode. <laughs> Nadu, so I mean, you were very kindly invited me to one of the events that you did, which was Return of the Rude Boy. And mm. would you say that you were a bit of a cultural consultant on that one, or how did that come about? It's funny. I think it's the term cultural consultant is who we are. Like Eunice eats, sleeps, lives, breathes. Like that's what we do. Like we can't help that we are black and that we do black events and that that's where our passion lies. So naturally you become a cultural consultant. Okay. Um, it's not something that I promote separately, but in rightly saying, that's where people come to, especially if you're wanting to launch a brand or yeah, um, something that you want to integrate into a new community territory, you have to go to people who have the knowledge and experience. So yes, I guess so. Um, yeah, I've never thought about it like that. I like that, yes. <laughs> I mean, you say this is going to be, and, and I do want to talk about this with you ladies as well, in terms of what's happening more widespread in terms of the Black Lives Movement. But just to mm. come back to um, Return of the Rude Boy, you say, you know, people would naturally come to you to be consulted about these things. And yet I see so many things happening that are meant to be about the black community or the Asian community where black or Asian people don't get consulted <laughs> sometimes. So, and, and I've also had to step in at the last minute to rescue things like that. So mm. do you see much of that going on or do you think that people know who to come to now for the right stuff? I think it's difficult and I think there's a thin line. Um, Eunice and myself, for example, I, I think we are OGs in the industry. <laughs> We've been doing this for a while. And I think it's one of the reasons that like I've started, I, I changed my title to event arch and experience architect, you know, having this brand um, consultant and also community. It's, there's been a lot of change over the, the recent years. So a lot more people are coming into the industry and saying they're curators or, you know, their event, but, to actually do what we do, it takes years of having the knowledge, the understanding, and being able to put the craft into it that I think people need to give credit where credit's due. So for people like us who have been in the industry for a long time, there are people that know. 
and for me even in terms of promoting i think unison ourselves we don't work is always there for us because those who know know and for me i don't feel like it's been a race or a competition in trying to get the business that the other people get because those that do get these other consultant roles that uh, or curators they're not delivering the quality um experiences that we're able to deliver they have a different understanding and it has i think there's a thin line between the two because it's new and it's old it's new new age and it's not but with the knowledge and experience that we hold implementing that into new ideas and things that are happening is very easy to do so return of the Ruboy was in what 2014 yeah. it's now what 2020 that event itself impacted somerset house like no other event had been ever put into that space they had and obviously no one would know this but they have target numbers so in, in order to increase you know the amount of people that come from a, a particular community or background to you know get them into the space we hit their numbers for four years wow four years and that was with an exhibition that was in there for five weeks like that's crazy and you know off the back of that it's been able to open the door to more opportunities for black exhibitionists to be able to put their work in you know these kinds of institutes and you know it could go so much deeper but to be part of that impact in the very beginning it's 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 just incredible well i mean i went to see it and i didn't really know much about rude boy culture or the movement mm. whatever is the best way to describe it and i have to say i was absolutely blown away by it and you know i've been saying to years for the businesses i work for diversity in lots of different mm -hmm. ways is good for business and so this is mm -hmm. a hard metric now that you're giving us they meet their targets for four years with a five-week exhibition and i i did actually go there is still a website I think, dedicated to it if people want to go yeah. and have a look you can literally google return of the Ruby somerset house and it and it comes up uh eunice was there anything you wanted to say to to that in terms of you've both obviously built that really credible reputation and in your industry trust is important that word of mouth is important for people who are starting out or even notes to your younger selves what would you say Eunice? i say um i know it's going to sound funny but do exactly as you did really um i think find experience so one thing that i always tell people is if you ask if you decide to study you will always need experience on top of that and that's something that i've made a point of doing um when i was at universities making sure that i had experience so when i left i i had my certificate and i had experience so that's something i definitely recommend doing i'd say find who your tribe are in the industry relationships are so important they're so that's the life and blood of the work that we do both as event producers in any industry and within the creative industry relationships are so important when you need a last minute um light fixture or some sort you know you can just call up hi where are you i need it now etc or i need a, i need five runners the ones that i've got are awful nadu except if you've got any people on your team you, like that's how it works you need people so remember mm -hmm. people um i think the other thing i'd say is perseverance as well um actually i do have a i do have a bit of a four step mantra as <laughs> my four so perseverance as well so people is one yeah people yeah keep people find people get good people around you perseverance as well um just keep going um it, you you learn through the challenges don't give up on yourself um 
know that you are your superpower no one does it like you that's it so hone your strengths write them down it's i did this thing um a friend of with a friend of mine where you write down all of your strengths and all the things that you think you could do better now i, I I'm, I'm not one for i don't really like doing things like that i love i love the kind of tick boxes and professional development find out about yourself. but when i have to think about what my strengths are i kind of go Ooh. But you start writing i was like oh hold on i'm all right at this okay i can do this i can do that so definitely recognize the uniqueness that you have and how powerful that is and i think as nadu said thankfully um those are things i think that have helped us in our career um how we how we do what we do also just remembering that we've all each got a special purpose in this place as well so again just leading on from that there is something for you to do there is a corner for you in the world um so i think those are the things that i would advise and also when I going back to perseverance, life is always going to come at you, I think, is the other thing that I would say. It's always going to come at you. So you've got to just figure out how to make things work, really, and problem solve, problem solving your job as well as problem solving in your life, too. Um, yeah, so th those would be my advice. But. Well, that's super helpful. And I do gems, <laughs> dropping gems. <laughs> the energy, my goose, I've got goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about some of the challenges then, because there's challenges on many different fronts, aren't there? There's challenges being a woman, there's challenges running a small business, there's challenges, I mean, you know, certainly from my perspective, being a person of colour. What have you faced being small business owners on all of those fronts or some of those fronts that you think is worth sharing with other people to, to, to prepare them for, uh, for the life that comes if they want to start their own business? There's so many things because it starts with everything. I think the four mantras that Eunice gave us is a great start because you have to refer back to those things every time because you will get knocked down. You will have things happen to you all the way through. You know, business is one aspect. You've got your family life and everything. And I always say, you know, I'm a single mother. I have my daughter, I now have a fiance, I don't have any siblings, but I have my parents. So I'm a mother to someone, I'm a boss to many people, I'm a daughter to two people, I'm friends to these people. And it's like all these people that you have to attend to, like when do you ever have the opportunity to actually feed it yourself and give back to yourself? this COVID has definitely given me the opportunity to do so. And I think people need to remember that you have to be able to feed your own soul before you can, you know, support other people. I've had business partners who stole my company, who stole equipment from my house, who, you know, these are things that at the time I thought I would never be able to get over this. But going back to one of the points that Eunice said, I remembered who I was and that the business will still survive because people buy into me. They don't buy into the brand that I built. I am that brand. So it's being able to remind yourself and just be ready for anything because everything's uncertain. You can prepare and we are prepared people just as you know, we are event organizers. You can prepare. My, my year was booked up till March, 2021. <laughs> I could not have prepared for this. So <laughs> with all of those things that come into play, you just have to take a step back and just ground. And for me, it's being able to, you know, it works in your home, the way your home set out, being able to have, you know, a clear head to how you interact with your friends and those relationships that you have around you. 
that are positive, that are, you know, giving back to, that are feeding you, inspiring you, because otherwise you'll just be drained out, you know, continuously helping everyone day to day. You don't put time into yourself to really invest in yourself, you won't be able to grow. And also not to be scared and follow your intuition. Because even I entered a competition last week that I wasn't going to enter. <laughs> I wasn't going to enter it because I was like, mm, one of the things that said you had to do an Instagram live pitch. And I was like, oh, I don't really fancy it. You know, I don't really like being on camera because of my eyes. That's a whole nother story. But, um, and then in the middle of the night, I saw a woman that I followed and she said, you know, you only succeed when you overcome your fear of selling. And I was like, yeah so i did the application i got shortlisted made it to the top 10 yesterday made it to the top two the prize is to win a hundred thousand pounds business investment or or business partner and i'm like imagine i didn't listen to myself or i didn't believe so sometimes it's about understanding risk and being able to you know judge the right risk that you take but you know being able to take that leap of faith and put your efforts in something that could propel you further Similar to what you're saying about your pitch, Nadu, the background to that was that I must have been about uh, 19 or 18, somewhere between mm. 19 and 21. And, and I tell this story all the time because it's just, it exemplifies what you've just said. 1921 is a music industry seminar, wanting to get music experience and work um, in the industry with my brother. And there was a pat, typical panel panel of um, executives there and I'm like oh I want to go and speak to somebody but I'm too scared my brother said to me you they're only humans get up and go and speak to them and so I went okay then so I went and stood around a little huddle of people talking and listened in turned around and the host was um there and he said oh hi how are you I said hi I'm Eunice he said what you come for I said I've come because I wanted I was looking for experience and just to learn more so oh okay then he said, what are you like, what are you doing next week? I said, well, I'm nothing. And he said, okay, do you want to come and help me at my next seminar event that I'm doing? I said, yeah. Happened to be across the road from my house as well on top of that. And he was the person who ran the independent small label that then later on through, I stayed with and then eventually ended up going to see, to be at that studio in, in Atlanta. And I always tell that story just like you, Nadu, if I hadn't have got up out of my seat, mm -hmm. those experiences would not have happened. They wouldn't have happened. So you never know where it's going to lead you. You have to take mm. that. I mean, my big uh, thing that I continue to tell myself is be afraid mm. to do it anyway, because what's going to happen? And usually after you've done it, you're like, oh, that was all right. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, it's the fear yep. of it. But then afterwards, a positive outcome happens normally or you're no worse off than you were before but it's funny everyone i've spoken to in this process always has a moment of bravery that has led them to a great awakening so this is becoming a consistent theme i think with the mm. people who run their own businesses so i did we have a little bit more time together and i did want to talk a bit about world outside business because it is impacting all of us i think uh, you've got to be in some little cocoon if you're not impacted by it. Lockdown obviously has brought its own challenges and over the last few weeks with some tragic, tragic deaths, killings, shall we say, over in the USA, there has been a movement like I can't really remember in my lifetime, not even when we originally saw the Rodney King video from 20 mm. plus years, well, 20 years ago now. I can't remember anything like it. And 
I have my own thoughts on, on it, but they're not as relevant as yours right now. So I'd really love to hear from your perspectives. How, yeah, what do you feel about everything at the moment? Eunice, maybe start with you. Um, I feel a lot, I think. Um, you go through lots of different waves as a black person at this time in this period and generally as a black person. Um, if I can be very honest, sometimes it feels like you're public enemy number one to the world and you're just not mm. sure why. And it's a bit, it can be confusing. And we've got so many different stories and there's so many different experiences of just being oppressed or discriminated because of the color of your skin and also carrying that forward from other, you carry other people's pain as a black person. Cause I know that that could be my brother. Honestly, I have a brother, I have a brother who lives in America and roughly around the same age and that could be him. That could be him. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words. Somebody asked me the other day, um, what, when people say you, your experience, you experience trauma as a black person, what does that mean? And I said to them, it's like an intense form of bullying. When imagine somebody who's been bullied for their whole life, um, in, in various different degrees and from very different directions, the trauma that you, someone would have from being bullied, um, is it and it yeah it, it's 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 difficult it's difficult um I've been in a lot of conversations and I'm part of a lot of different initiatives that have been trying to address what's going on right now and um we can talk about it which is important and the forum it feels like there's a bit more of a forum for talking about it a tiny bit more accountability but what we really need is our step changes forward yeah. so many of the conversations and initiatives i'm part of um are part of uh, are trying to do that um one at the moment that i'm part of is looking at criminal justice specifically because the issue that we're talking about around george floyd is a criminal justice issue and it's the same one that happens here in the uk as well it happens here so we're looking at what are the reforms around criminal justice that can be made that will make some sort of difference also was part of a conversation um, last week with the Black Music Coalition, again, looking at what are the steps, changes within the music industry that need to take place. Um, I work and I'm the event, event director for Mobo Awards. So obviously that is one of the biggest black platforms that we have in the UK here and specifically created because of racism mm. and inequality. That's why it started. And that's been around for some 25 years. 25 years of fighting um, and trying to battle and and, and, shine, and also positively shine a spotlight on black people because that's another thing is the, and the negativity that surrounds black people that's unwarranted a lot of the time and perception. So yeah, I, I don't know, there's a lot, I, there's a lot to say. Um, so it's, if I've just gone up in pits and troughs it's because there's just a lot of emotion in it sometimes. No, no, I think I, really really welcome your thoughts and I think for people who don't understand trauma in the way that you understand it that's a really amazing explanation and I hope that people will listen that's all we want them to do right now is listen I think there's a lot of kind of outrage from white people which is great we don't think everyone's a racist but um we just need people to listen Nadu from your perspective how, how are you mm -hmm. feeling about things the thing is, I think trauma is a really good word that Eunice used for this because I've had one full-time job in my life when I worked for NatWest and I experienced racism in the workplace there. 
And it's just something that you just kind of dealt with. And then you see it everywhere, like in the industry, the industry that we work in. And I think everyone has to realize that they have a part to play. Like not everyone has to be on the front line at, you know, the, the protest. That's not it. It's what do you have? What skill do you have? And how can you um, help affect change through that? So with what we do with events is being able to say, well, you know, we're about empowering young black people, predominantly females, to work in the industry, to give them training, to give them the skills that they need so they can go off and do it themselves. Everyone has to identify the role that they play within this because it's not just one thing. It's across the board. And it's not going to take, you know, uh, a blacked out square. It's not going to take people saying, oh, we are doing things. No, no, no. It's it actually. And people being held accountable. That word that you used again, because the conversations have been there and the conversations will go. But until it's acknowledged and people are held accountable, like, oh, not just through this period of time, the window that we're dealing with in COVID. No, no, no. We are holding on to this. And I think the people within my network, we've definitely realised and seen, and it's like, right, you've got that business and that friend, you hold on to that and you don't let go. You don't let go until you see change that you want to be reflected. And that's what we all have to do individually. I think you made an important point as well. Representation is, is a big thing. So when you asked me to do this, I don't really like getting up and speaking. I don't really, I don't really like it. Um, but whenever people ask me to, I've told myself I have to say yes. I have to, that's my responsibility. Um, I have to be seen and it's not about me. When you stand up and speak or when you stand up and share about your experiences, it's not about you. It's about who's listening to you and how they can draw strength from what you're saying, um, how they can relate to you to and be inspired to go up and stand up to, for somebody else as well. Um, so yeah, representation is another thing that I think is really important, responsibility as well. Yeah, and I feel that it's my responsibility to give a platform to the other women I know, and especially other women of colour, and right now especially black women. And what well, I thank you both, it's not easy to have those conversations, but I think it's important that we, we hear from the black community what they need from the rest of us right now. So I really appreciate you going there. And great to hear that the next generation is really tackling this in the way that we want them to. I want to thank you both so, so much. This has been just such an amazing, energizing conversation for me. And I really hope that we can all meet up face to face soon. And um, yeah, look after yourselves. Take care. You've been listening to the My Small Business Life podcast produced by Tigris Management. For more information, visit tigrismanagement.com. With special thanks to Gareth Shelton of Pop-Up Painting.